0: Hello and welcome to another episode of His and Her Boxing I'm Lee Costello and as always I'm joined by Need Campbell
1: Hello everyone uh,
0: Sorry that this episode is just a little bit late but uh, interview times and things like that
1: Bank holiday Monday too yep,
0: Bank holiday Monday, we were very hungover that's a, no, uh, I mean we were very that's busy That's the word yeah
1: <laughs> um, Yeah but we have a really interesting interview for you today So we have Belfast cruiserweight and recently WBC international champion Tommy McCarthy we discuss obviously all things lockdown as we discuss with everyone but um also the fact that he was maybe going to have a possible european title fight mm-hmm. lined up for this month just before quarantine and just about his world title future plans
0: and we get to the bottom or we hear his side of the story of that famous Jerome mckenna prank uh, yeah terone
1: mccullough yeah so if you if you don't know what we're talking about listen to the Troll mckenna interview after this
0: mm-hmm.
1: um but yeah enjoy
0: um. So, Tommy, just we'll start from the very beginning. How, how did you get into boxing?
2: Basically, um, I was always a fan of boxing as a, as a young kid. Like, I mean, really young, like three, four. Always, um, loved watching, Prince Nazim and Chris Eubank and, and Frank Bruno. So, always before, like, I even got into sport from a young kid. Always wanted to be heavyweight champion of the world, and then. When I got older and I started becoming like a serious fan man. and and um, I just loved Lennox Lewis. And uh, my deeds stage worked with me there, So I wanted to join a boxing club from young, but uh, oh, this is a funny, well, it's not that funny, but funny-ish. I wanted to join boxing when I was in P6, but I've always been big for my age. So, <laughs> My family wouldn't let me go to the club because they thought like no, I'm not from a boxing family. So like my dad didn't know how it worked, so he thought I would be fighting people older than me. So I remember, I think it was like seven and a half stone or something. And um, Carl Frampton was in the paper, and he just won the anthems. I remember my dad saying, "Look, he'd be fighting every lad I love the age of him." So I wasn't allowed to join because we were. My dad was afraid of Carl Frampton. But then <laughs> he um he was working, he was doing the door with Shamus deeds. And um, Seamus came and spoke to me, and he says, "Oh, you're Tom's kid. You want to do a bit of boxing?" I said, "All right." So he brought me down to a club, and the rest is history, as you say. What uh, What club was that exactly? Oliver Plunkett.
0: Oliver Plunkett, and um, at that club you met the likes of Jerome McKenna and stuff. Is that where you first met him?
2: So Jerome had been there for a year, but um, prior to me joining, so I went. I, it was that was first year, so um. Uh, it was all like new stuff. You're leaving primary school and you're making new friends. So I went down to a club with this real positive attitude. Like, I'm going to go in and make friends. Like, I've been doing it in school the last couple of months. So just apply the same attitude to the boxing club. So turn was actually the first person. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't the first person. Eamon Finnegan was the first person to speak to me. Oh. And he's still my friend. This day, I mean, I'm really good friends. And then... We were in the changing room, and it just ended up me and Tyrone just sitting there. So, me going in with like make friends attitude, I said, like, Well, what's your name? <laughs> me, Tyrone. I like, well, you're boxing alone a year. I said, is he any good? Said, all right, <laughs> this guy, it's hard to say, like, He's not a talker, is he? And then he just that was it, that was our conversation. And um, later in later life, I found that. He had an instant dislike for him for no reason. That's why I wasn't talking to him.
1: Tyrone wasn't? Is that why?
2: Right? I oh, didn't like me. Well,
1: because I was going to say, I was like, I want to say Tyrone McKenna is a quiet man. Look, like, you can hardly get him to shut up sometimes.
2: Uh, well, he just didn't like me. I think I was too, too in his face.
1: You're too eager to be mates. That no, was it.
2: Like, was just because I, I was just in that mind for him. Yeah. Like, new. So that, that was it. But. So, so for the first while to me and Toron, he never spoke to me. He well rarely spoke to him. Yeah.
0: Oh
1: That's so funny because um like even though you were like, oh, are you any good? And he's like, Well, oh, I'm all right. But he even says himself, you know, he's so confident and cocky you and know, I, like, I find that hard to believe that he would even just say he was alright.
2: <laughs> I can remember I can remember it's all vivid, he was just tying his boots and I was standing up talking to him and he was just he wasn't even looking me, he was just looking at is laces Give me one word out they had a good <laughs>
1: <laughs> did, you, did you ever think Tommy like obviously you were always a fan of boxing and then you, know, you said like, thankful you're thankful to Seamus Deeds for sort of letting your daddy allow you to go um, did you ever think back then that you did want to be a pro like was that always your dream or or how did that come about
2: yeah from from the first from more or less the first day that was like uh, yeah this is what i want to do in my life it was that it was that instant the, as soon as we walked in the gym it was just the smell and the noise if you ever go into a boxing club there's the noise of it there's just there's a certain sound i don't know like the bags people hitting the bags and the speed mm. ball all going it's just i just loved it everything and the smell the smells it's a unique smell of, it's sweat <laughs> <Blod. laughs> It's not like, you know, like sweaty people. It doesn't smell like B.O. or anything. It's like sweat and leather and blood, yeah. like dampness. And it's just a unique smell, but it doesn't sound pleasant, but I just loved it. I just fell in love with everything about the boxing club. So I was like, yes, I want to do this for my, for my life.
0: And and you joined that club, you said you were first year. How long before you got your first amateur fight?
2: It was pretty quick. You know, Um, back then... Even though it doesn't seem that long ago, it was 2000, 2002. Uh-huh. But back um, then, it wasn't as tail-protection friendly as it is now. Like, you were just, I was just down there for a couple of weeks learning how to stand and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we went to up the Holy Trinity's Club show after about, probably about a month. And um, the says Red? What says you, that yes kid? He's about the same size. Does he have any fits? No, he hasn't got any fights, and it just threw his in. But okay. <laughs> I, got, um, I lost my first fight, but I, I, was, I was sad. Not sad up, but that, that's just the way the game is. Like the, a kid who has a couple of fights, but you don't know him, yeah. he's they, trying to get him a win. So I was a genuine raw novice, but this guy was a wee bit more experienced. He was throwing uppercuts and hooks, small no, words. I only knew how to throw straight punches. So mm-hmm. I got, it was just out of my dad's.
1: Do you ever find like any time you ever have lost, like whether amateur or professionally, um, like I know you've only lost twice professionally, but you know, how do you stay motivated? Or, you know, how does it make you feel? Because you obviously kept going and you keep going.
2: Well, that that time when I lost my first fight, that gave me more motivation than to be like, nah, 100% want to win the next one. <laughs> like it didn't put me off. So that's what motivated me. Just the the win. I just wanted to be a winner, and that still is the the motivation. There, I want to be a winner. I have goals and ambitions, and I want to achieve them. So, that's just the driving force behind behind.
0: Me. Um, as an amateur, then would you say your state was much different to, as it is now, or are you pretty much the same?
2: my state kind of went through a few transitions as an amateur because of the way the the scoring went. Right? A mm-hmm. so natural style would be like a counter puncher, like um, that's my natural style, yeah. nice and relaxed, trying to um, like draw attacks from the opponent. But then, that's where I was boxing the, at the early stages of my career, and then when I got to the, the under 18s, of like I was right up until that time. That's where I was boxing, nice and like relaxed and like hitting hard and stuff. But then when we got to the world championships, the, the style changed and it was all tight guard. I uh-huh. had, had to adjust. So I was boxing with, with tight defense, which is natural to me, but I made it work. And then after we went to, that that um, point scoring system kind of was implemented for a few years. Remember, yeah. like when I did the Commonwealth off games, Remember when even O'Kane and Paddy Gallagher and Paddy Barnes got the gold? So they're <laughs> they're like short, short, and close faders. So the scoring suited them down the ground. Yeah. So they were able to use their their natural boxing skills, but their st- like it just suited their natural style. The B nice and compact, and then I the whole way through the competition, I was boxing my natural style kind of punching, But in the final, I tried to copy diamonds and it didn't work for me and I lost badly so I've went back to my natural style and as a pro when I linked up with Pete Taylor he was saying look as it just what you've done as a, an amateur let's just get back the the glory there so I'm going kind of back to my roots if you so to speak. Um,
1: what is the then with because obviously with COVID um, and I know you would have trained down in Dublin and they were sort of first before us, the lockdown, Are you, do you and Pete, would you keep in contact with lot? You know, would he know, would he give you sort of instructions for your training regime and stuff?
2: The beauty of this day and age is all these devices where you can <laughs> have Zoom calls and Skype and all, say, all sorts of things. So we've been having interactive sessions. Um, Pete's been, you know, like giving us, he's been, he's been taking us through a session right on, on Zoom and on Insta Live on it. So we've been in contact daily.
1: And obviously whenever you got your your WBC International Cruiserweight uh, Championship last year, Tommy, um, was that the best moment in your career so far, do you think? Was that the highest you've ever felt?
2: Uh, Yeah, definitely. That was uh, the highlight of the career so far because I'd been in big fights, but none of them had been um, for, for a title. So... That fight out in Italy for it, for that title was it was like a world title fight. Mm-hmm. And I actually think a lot of Italians out there thought it was for a world title, even after one. I was getting all the matches. Oh, how does it feel to be world champion? And like people just assumed because it was top of the bill, it was on the zone and Sky Sports and all the major things, so it was definitely living a dream in the highlight so far.
1: And so because I know either there was talks you might have a possible European title fight lined up like around now, Um, what exactly were the plans before coronavirus or what do you hope the plans to be after lockdown, ends?
2: So after after I went out in Italy, my, um, that made me the mandatory for the European title, the EVU title, Oh,
0: uh-huh.
2: so we were just waiting for a date to be confirmed and I was hoping that would, we were hoping that it was gonna be um in May, um, possibly last week. It hadn't been confirmed, but that's where it was looking. And then in the in that time too, then it was offered a, a world title for it. It was offered the the um for the WBA super title. Mm-hmm. And um so my manager and myself we accepted it and agreed the terms in it. So we were waiting on uh the, the contract getting sent over and all that stuff, but the guy went we were quiet, and then COVID hit. So the future was looking promising up until the lockdown came into play.
1: Is that the French guy or Arsene? Yeah, Goulin? yeah. And yeah. um, and then so tell me then, what is the score with Lawrence Sokolie?
2: As far as I was aware, he for the he was scheduled to fight for the world title next month. So he was he'd give up the European title as he vacated it, like, officially? Yeah. Oh, OK. I don't know what. Is that,
1: like, the big fish you want to catch, like, Lawrence Abouli?
2: See, my thing is for the for the world title. That's all my ambition was. So it was looking like he was going to fight for the world title, and then I was going to fight for the European title. And I think Lawrence would have won it, and I would have won that European. And then he would defend the world title against me. So that's that was the way... I was envisioning the world, him. Kind of.
0: Um, so. t- talk to me. How how would that fight go?
2: McCarthy wins. <laughs>
0: <laughs> how you know? Tell
1: us how.
2: I said to him more times than he hits me. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's true. You know you're boxing. <laughs> uh, Lawrence how would you prepare for someone that like him? You know, he's not technically the most gifted in the world, but he's um he's so long and gangly, and then he's. He looks like he's very frustrated to fight. All that sort of tying up and all. Have you dealt with opponents like that before?
2: Yeah, I, would, I would have. But obviously not somebody who's on Acoli's level. And I think people think Acoli isn't technically good because it's not pretty to watch. But yeah. he, he is technically, he is very good technically. He's good job and that and good movement. But at the start of my career I think it might have been my second fight. I fought a guy, okay, he was six foot name. So it was kinda of like the similar kind of gangliness and awkwardness. Yeah. But I was able to I caught him in the second round, was able to stop him in, in two rounds. So um he is one of the one of the bigger cruiserits Yeah. But like really I would just trust Pete to come up with a game plan anyway, so I trust Pete. Against anyone, Pete will have easy game plan. So, I'll just have to just to follow the orders. That's my answer.
0: Well, sp- speaking of Pete, um, how did that come about? How did you... Because um, I know he, he trains the likes of McKenna and McCullough and stuff. Um, You know, what what made you say to pick him?
2: Well, I had worked with Pete years ago and, as an amateur and a high performance. I know Pete from 14. Mm-hmm. Um, we went away in a couple of camps together. But he, when I turned pro, Pete wasn't training pros at the team. And then once he started once he started training pros, obviously I was going. I was I think I might have been training with Brand at the team, or maybe I was training with Anthony Bingham. But anyway it wasn't it wasn't really on my radar. But I noticed the big improvements in Luke Keeler. Once he started working with Pete, like Luke was um like a domestic level fighter. Like Luke won the Irish title by one round. Like he had a close fight for the Irish title. And then next thing, Pete started training and he fought Conrad Cummings. And Conrad's one of my friends too, but like Luke just outboxed him right across the board. And it, and I was shocked uh-huh. at the performance. And then when he fought him again in the rematch, the same thing happened. And I was like, Jesus, like Pete, there's some coach the. The way he's just transformed Luke. Mm-hmm. And then I fought Richard Ragpour and I lost. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I got an R.E. win back. And there were another two wins. Now hardly two wins back. And then I got the opportunity for the third fight in, in Italy. So I was like, going in this fight, this is a last chance to for me. So I don't want to leave any stone unturned. I don't mm-hmm. want any excuses. Like, I want to go in here. 100% prepared. Make sure the team's right. Make sure my whole camp's perfect. And if I get beat, then it's my own fault. Yeah. But when I was thinking this before even. I was thinking this in my mind And then Luke fought again up in the up in the field, mm-hmm. and he fought against uh, Louis Arias, who I remember from the amateurs. We, we won a world bronze medal and fought for a world title. So I says, if Luke, or not as like this will show how much Luke's improved. Like, Cause maybe Conrad, maybe he just has Conrad's number. Yeah. When he fought Lewis, he destroyed him as well. I said, you know what? That's what I need. If Pete can transform Luke's career, he could definitely do it for me. And and, and I went down, and and I was right.
1: Obviously, without giving too much away, you know, I'm not gonna ask you exactly what your training entails. But whenever you say like Pete transformed, and he transformed you. What is that? Is it a mentality thing, do you think? like, Is it like a psychological thing that he helps you transform your... Obviously, with the training as well.
2: Well, well it is definitely a psychological um, factor, too. But Pete Taylor is a guy who is just obsessed with boxing. That's his obsession. And every single day, every single night, he's like studying boxing, reading books studying opponents like he's just he just loves it he just lives for the sport he's coming up with his um techniques so he does that it me knowing that, that how seriously he takes it that gives me like psychological thing like i'm in good hands but also the techniques that he he works on in the gym because he does a lot of school boxing and it's like simple stuff very subtle changes in week too but they make a world of difference, and all these small percentages—you know—they they are a difference in winning and losing. So he's just he's just all round, just brilliant coach. He so just gets the best out of all his fighters. Mm-hmm.
1: See, so whenever you're saying there's well about him reading books, I read that you were saying uh, for anyone in lockdown looking a book to read, you advise Mike Tyson's book. I'm I'm actually in the middle of reading it at the minute. Is he your favourite boxer?
2: No, he's not my favourite, but he's one of my favourite characters. Yeah. The book was just so gripping. I couldn't pull it down. It was like it was like what's the flipping film reading the book, yeah. but he he's one of my favorite characters because I've I've always been like I've always been a good character like, my whole life, so I always loved like seeing these maniacs because I I'd love to be a maniac like I don't <laughs> have it in me to be it. So I just love Tyson's character and um. He was, he is obviously one of the, the greats, but he's not one of my, my favorite boxers. His whole like, all the stuff that Tyson does, it is geared towards the likes of someone like Paddy Barnes, like a short, stocky boxer. Like his his style, won't suit me. His but life, more, his life is yeah, life just interests me. I'd say. Have you listened to
1: his podcast?
2: You know, I've listened to a couple of them, but i I didn't really enjoy it as much as I thought of it because he's he's getting stoned and he's just all <laughs> madness. So I was like, "This, this isn't what I'm here for." <laughs> he,
1: he is he is mad. Like I do, I laugh at him. Like I do, think he's funny. But then he gets so deep too. I just I think I like him as a person as well. And I think just reading his book too—pure uh, plug and Tyson's book here. Reading his book though, you're like, "This is insane! I can't believe this is actually oh, life." It's
2: so much stuff that you want. This couldn't be true. But you keep reading on anyway, it's just fascinating.
1: Well, one thing, you know, you're saying stuff that couldn't be true. Uh, So we're talking about obviously your big mates with Tyrone McKenna and Tyrone McCullough, the two madmen. And whenever Tyrone was on the podcast, he was talking about the prank they pulled on you down the high performance unit.
2: Mm, (laughs) The the love. That was probably one of the worst experiences of my teenage life. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> Talk a certain yeah, yeah,
0: You tell us what happened from your point of view.
2: We're getting we're in the training camp. Well, in the camp for the World Championships, and we used to, we had to stay in Dublin Wednesday to Saturday. Right? So mm-hmm. the two terms they always bunked in a room, and me and Bernard Rowe were always in a room. Uh-huh. The then guys, as you know, you know, both of them are more like. They're just wild. Whereas them am in between training. I don't want to go for walks. I don't want to do any. I can't. I'm just could be annoyed doing pranks. just want to chill out.
0: Yeah.
2: Oh, but this was the middle of the night. Like, they used to get up in the middle of the night and go for a walk. I'm talking like 1 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning. And um, I later found out that I dropped my key in the room, but I, I didn't know her. So this is about 3 o'clock in the morning, next thing the door opens, But it was just... Whoosh. There's dust everywhere. But I was still sleeping. But I thought I was dreaming. And Bernard jumped up out of bed, he was going, Tom, Tom, let's go, what's going on? Woke up, couldn't breathe. And I could just hear Bernard screaming, get out, you bollocks, <laughs> you bollocks, get out of me room. <laughs> the dust just, it was like, I can't even breathe. I couldn't see, couldn't breathe. In the room, and I actually thought I was down. And just me and Bernard were just in bits. Would, I, I don't know how much dust you can get out of this friggin like, like fire extinguisher. <laughs> then I just heard the laughter, and I just couldn't couldn't breathe. So I knew it was them, and I was I was furious. And I just—if I had a got them, I definitely I would have smacked both of them. I had the same. I would like—I was just air ripped, and um. So the next morning. Like, we were in bits, and we had, I had to clean up the room too. Like, dust everywhere. All the clothes ruined, everything ruined. And, um, we had to train the next day and we used to have to line up in order. Uh-huh. And, um, I was a captain for the underage team. So, I was training that day and, and the coaches were going, what's going on I come in. Still, hadn't got dust everywhere. And then I just tell this you know what, Jimmy? Last night, somebody broke into my room tried to kill me. <laughs> what, do what do you mean, Tom? Somebody tried to murder me and Bernard last night in the state. Don't know who it was, but... And um and then they they, they crackled. No, you, you try to get us through off the team. that's actual fact, I didn't try to get them through off the team, but I would have been happy if they had to got through off the team. Uh-huh. It just pissed me off that much.
1: <laughs> so, did you never take part in any pranks with them? Like, have you any mad stories?
2: ever I'm not a prankster. But because we were all in the same clique, anything that happened, like you're guilty by association. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was just blamed on stuff. Even when we first got on the senior team, the the first few days there was a camp up in Jordanstown. So the first few days they were up there, and in mind, this is the first time being on the, on the senior squad. So we're all 18. And um, these two just went on a rampage. So I missed the first three days of camp. I was away somewhere. And then they were texting me and telling me all the stuff that they've been doing. And um, when I got up to Jordan's town everyone hated me. <laughs> well, what's going on? Just, everyone hated us. And I hadn't even done anything. And... So, it took, it took it took, about a year for us to start integrating.
1: No
2: Everyone, they, they just kept pranking everyone. Even like big names, like Kenny Egan, who was just back from the Olympics, he was a nice little hero. He was getting, they were putting toothpaste in his shoes and his gloves. Tom threw water around them, ran over the balcony. <laughs> he turned around. He went, "You little bollocks, you." Yeah. <laughs> That was a really good impression. I'm going I'm to strangle you, <laughs> I'll get Tommy for you, <laughs> bring me in this, so. but as a friend and as a loyal friend, I just always, you know, I never shied away from him or tried to throw him under a bus or anything, I just, I just took the hatred along with him, just took it for the team.
1: You're the big cruiserweight bodyguard, they get out of anything, if they're ever in trouble, we get Tommy off you? <laughs>
2: They're just crazy. Even when I'm not there, they're always like threatening people with me, and uh, they're just they're just a nightmare.
0: <laughs> my God! Well, you're obviously the more mature one, and so you speak, speaking of maturity and stuff, you've got four daughters. Is that right? Yes,
2: yeah, right. Uh, that's
1: full, my... full house, man. See, whenever they're all teenagers, that's you, Your head'll
2: be gone. <laughs> my head's gone as it is. <laughs> like. How how are you
0: getting on at uh, homeschooling then? Are you are you helping out with all that?
2: Um. Nah, not really. My, <laughs> <laughs> my wife's taking care of it. But in fairness, the school sends all the all the work to her phone. Mm-hmm. She she takes care of it.
1: You have a wee sort of you have a wee not newborn like but you have a wee girl. She's not even a yeah. year old. Is it, how you get on with her and everyone? Is all the is the older ones helping out?
2: The easiest yeah. in the house. She is so pleasant and. She slips into rarely cries. Like she's just if all babies were like her, oh. you would it. You would have a hundred babies. <laughs> um she's she's great. There's no hassle to her at all. It's the the next one, the one older than her, she's she's a year and a half now. She's the mild one. She's just cracking up and just she's like their personalities are just so opposite. They've got this crazy one and then this week. Cool one, so
1: <laughs> do you think uh, the girls would ever get into boxing or
2: would you want them to get into boxing? You know, I, I always was, and this, this sound like when I said it out loud, it sounded sexist. I was like, I wouldn't want my daughters to box if I had sons around in the box, I wouldn't want my daughters, but like, that's a ridiculous thought to have because Katie Taylor, like I know Katie well and came through the teams with her, she's flying. You have Clarissa Shields, she's flying like, women's boxing is really taking off, so I'm actually open to it now. But they don't want to box, so maybe these babies mid, but Yeah. It's so, it's such a hard profession too. I would rather I'm go into something else. But if they start showing some promise, then they'll be straight in their boxing club.
1: I think it's one of those things because women's boxing is still pretty new left and it's something you did always associate with man because it's a pure working class sport, too, you know what I mean. Like a lot of boys would have boxed to get their ways, you, like make tyson's you know what I mean, to get out of the hood and, and hard life So yeah. uh, I know what I mean, but no, women's boxing is, I love women's boxing, like it's
2: well, we so sort of see, women's boxing. I would watch it, you know what I mean. I'm not yeah. like somebody who doesn't like women's boxing, but it's just you read really all like I want them to be like we, well, I don't want them to be in my mind or we princesses. And the, <laughs> like, I spoil them so much. Like, there's, not don't, I don't want them to have to do anything hard. Like, I don't want them to have to dig deep, you know. Oh. And that's happening in boxing. You have to dig deep. And I, I don't even if somebody punts them, I have be going, oh jeez, I have to be nerves be wrecked. Even, even my wife, she wanted to do a white collar thing, and then the fall of her doing it, I started getting anxiety. I was going
1: <laughs> getting in the face by some other doll.
2: So, I don't know, maybe it's just... Well, maybe I would feel the same way if I had sons I wouldn't want them in the box, but... Yeah. It would we'll have them.
1: This is the other thing I wanted to ask Tommy, this is more just like a nosy thing for me. So, you're, you're managed by Mark Dunlap, is that right?
2: Yeah.
1: And then, does he work like with room and Eddie Hearn, or are you like under Eddie Hearn, through him?
2: Well, Mark has a great relationship we're at in home, so I'm not saying I haven't seen any papers with my room but we had like a rolling agreement. And um it's kinda of more like a a handshake kinda like of, it's like a uh gentleman's agreement.
1: Yeah. No so I,
2: just- I will get sand on my team touch wood. But um I'm happy enough being a free agent anyway because then that way you're not tied down. If Mark can give me an opportunity under a different promotion, at least you're free to take it.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Mark, Mark's a great manager. He has a great relationship with everyone. Like he doesn't, he works for everyone, which is brilliant.
1: That's good. Uh, do you want to play a couple games?
2: Yeah, you up for some games? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Will I go first, Here you go.
1: So the way I explain this, and we say this all the time, I always say body parts. leads like no, it's attributes. So I ain't gonna say. Different boxers attributes, right? And then you said the boxer that you would want. So is there, I say I said chin, you know, out of all the boxers, amateur, professional, retired, dead or whatever, you know, who's whose chin would you want?
2: Okay. Is that the first question?
1: Yeah, sure. Go for t- Let me start <laughs> that's, with
2: that. That's one. The example. <laughs> right. Uh Chin. Mm-hmm. Mm.
1: We're expecting good things too, because you know you're boxing from a young age. I'm,
2: I'm trying to think of uh, Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Come on. Muhammad Ali, Because Muhammad is tin. He fought some of the big, biggest sponsors in history, and he never got knocked out. Yeah.
0: True.
2: Good point. Yeah. Oh, Ali's tin.
1: Yeah. Heart. Heart of any boxer.
2: Pretty much all boxers have heart. Yeah. But somebody who is willing to go, card frat
1: Oh yeah, I he's yeah. serious. Like he's afraid of no one. Like and just keeps going.
2: because remember when he fought Jermaine Taylor and he was getting beat and he just kept on trying and he got him in the last ten seconds and knocked him out. Like he he never he never accepted defeat.
0: Yeah, he 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 always thought he was going to win that fight even when he was losing right up to the last ten
2: seconds. if, if, he, if Taylor had stayed away, they lost. He would have won the fight. You know what I mean? So, so I let's say. That's
0: a
1: good one. Good one. Don't think anyone's actually said him yet, for that one, but the uh, stamina. It can be this. You can put the same boxers in a lot of times too, if you yep. want.
2: Stamina. I'd say Usyk. He um doesn't seem to get tired, and throws a million punches.
1: And right hand power. Well. And left hand power.
2: Left hand power. Mm-hmm. Do you say Nas? Why?
1: Aye. Aye, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Is he is he your favorite boxer? Just because you said about him at the start.
2: It's the same. Yeah. No, I, my, no. My, my favorite boxer growing up was always Lennox Lewis. Oh yeah. Uh, footwork. Footwork. Andre Ward.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. a good one. Um. Boxing IQ. Floyd Mayweather.
0: Yeah. Most people say him.
1: He's like the king of it, isn't he? Yeah.
2: Uh,
1: and then finally, Han speed.
2: Sugary Leonard. Yeah, that's that's Lee's favorite boxer. Yeah, Sugar <laughs> is king. Come on, uh, that, that's some
1: As I so, and then you put them all together, and that's time, card.
0: There you go. Good. <laughs> cool. We're just going to fire on then. This here is a quick fire round, so just empty your yeah. head. I'm going to shoot out questions, and you just say the first thing that comes to your head.
2: Okay,
0: cool. And um, if you weren't a boxer, what would you be? Musician. Um, cool. Uh, no, I'm gonna have to go back to that.
1: No, I, I meant to say it to you. I said, are you in Throne mechanic starting whiskey and white?
2: Yeah, this is the bomb. what's
1: What was
2: that? I said, watch this space. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I
1: better go watch me play a bass. That's what
2: I you said. Oh, no, watch this space. Throne Terrell play. Throne's learning the bass at the minute, huh. and I I could play. Like I was playing guitar before I started boxing, and then. I hadn't played for once. You now I I started getting deep in the boxing, and obviously everything else just goes to the back burner. Mm-hmm. So it's locked down, guitars coming back to the four. So, as I said, watch this space.
1: And can you sing?
2: Um, I could hold a note. Uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a singer, but I can sing a wee bit. <laughs> sure, most bands these days don't even really sing, anyway. No, it's you?
1: all
0: are a tune. Yeah. <laughs> Back to quickfire. Uh, the best opponent you've ever shared a ring with—that could be professionally, amateur, or just smart.
2: Tony Balu. Oh,
0: Ooh. how did that go?
2: Spawn. I was in his camp uh, for the first half. I oh, wow! So, as in, as his number one spawn partner. So that was brilliant. Nice. said that would have been brilliant.
1: Was Tony? I love Tony Balu. Like, what's is he nice? Like, I just imagine he's pure.
2: The soundest person I've ever met in boxing, like 100% just a great guy, having a bad word to say
1: just He does seem so down to earth. We met him at the, we went to the Lama-Chenko-Luke Campbell fight in Uh London last year, and then uh, he was there at the weigh-ins, and then everyone sort of cleared off, and he was just talking to a few people, and then he came over to get this picture with this wee girl, and like God love him, like he just saw this kid and was like, "Oh, I'll get a picture of you, and then Everyone saw him, and they just flooded him. And his wee face was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs>
2: <laughs> nah, he's a brilliant fellow. Yeah, he really is. Good stuff. Perfect.
0: Okay, uh, favorite sport other than boxing? Football. Football. You're a big Celtic man. Is that right?
2: Celts. Celt.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Nine in a row.
2: No. Uh, Tell, Tell everyone you know. And- <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, pound for pound, best in the world right now is.
2: Terence Crawford. Oh uh,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, Mike Tyson or Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali. Favorite fighter to watch growing up? I Think you already answered that. To be Lennox.
2: Funny. Lennox Lewis. Lennox Lewis.
0: Yeah. Uh, if you could change one thing about boxing, what would it be?
2: The criteria to become a coach.
0: Oh really? that's
2: interesting, yeah, you like I said that like a pro coach, yeah what what does that entail? because I, I feel in and in all the other sports um football, for example, they mm-hmm. like have friends, or they have to take tests, they get badges, they win football clubs.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah
2: and boxing they like, all you have to do is just. Hey, then you, don't have, dude, you don't have. You don't have. You You can never box before. Have no experience, mm-hmm. and next you're a coach. And I don't think that's right. I think it's um that that goes for boxers too. I think there yeah. should be some sort of um thing that. But in particular, coaches guys just come in out of nowhere, start coaching people, and then you know, I don't think it's right. And uh, and if you get a big, if you get a big name, or you get a big win. Then these guys become experts. Like in, in pro boxing, there's a lot of or amateur boxing too. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of people bluffing their way in the game, and um, I don't think it's right. I think you should be able. You should know what you're teaching. Yeah, that that that's a very interesting point. No no one's actually ever said that
0: before.
1: No, it's a good point mm-hmm. too, because like you're saying, you could get a big name and you could maybe know nothing, and your boxer has won on their own merit just because they're a deadly boxer. You know nothing to do with you, but next thing everyone's blowing smoke up you because, you know, they think you're dead because you're, you know what I mean? So I get where you're coming from. I guess a good point.
0: Uh, what advice would you give to a 21-year-old Tommy?
2: Just keep doing what you're doing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you'll get there. All going
1: well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and last question, sort of a desert Island question. If you could only watch one fate again on repeat, what would that fate be?
2: Mayweather versus Cotto.
0: Cotto, oh yeah, it was... There
2: you go. That that is really interesting. Are you a big Mayweather fan? Yeah. Um but I love Mayweather, obviously, um, because of his boxing thing and his boxing brain and he's he's just so so the things he can do, they look so easy, but if you watch it like if people try and do it, they can't do it. Mm-hmm. But when he called Caro, like Caro, I think it's one of probably the greatest Puerto Rican fighter of all time. Yeah. And um, him to see two great, like technically gifted boxers going at it and not in a, a reckless way. Everyone loves Gotti Ward, yeah. but there's not much boxing involved in that. There's just like, they're just brown. Yeah. But to see or... like technical boxing, but like aggressively, like a Carlos, aggressive, like a box fighter, and mm-hmm. Mayweather trying to all that, like, I love it. Oh, there you go.
0: There you I, so you're
2: a real yeah. curious Dan, when it comes to boxing. Yeah, yeah, I am. Uh, don't get me wrong, I enjoy it. Like I enjoy telling him, waiting to Zora. Like I enjoy him uh-huh. them, and them slobberknockers he's saying wrestling. But <laughs> like when I'm watching, when I'm studying boxing, like I would watch Mayweather all the time. Because that's where we're going to pick up the most technique. So, like Mayweather and, and Carlo, Mayweather and, um, and, uh, what do you call him? Uh, Mosley.
0: Like,
2: O'Shea oh, and Mosley. Even though, like, it ended up being a it, but the second round was just, you know, and that Mayweather showed you how to, you know, recover and all that stuff. So, Mayweather was a great guy to watch.
1: What about as well, one of the questions we started asking people, Tommy, if you were to release an autobiography tomorrow, uh, what would the
0: title of it be? That That is a hard one right on the spot. Like we always say, although we asked John O'Carroll and he just straight away, he, King, King of, of Kings. Kings.
2: <laughs> he must be working on one. I think he made have been, you know. <laughs>
1: Separating it in lockdown. Uh, the
2: Macapack. Now, that there was a, a crowd table. Hold on, right now, I'll get this. There we go. <laughs> That's a good thing. Uh, Jesus, that's a tough one. Yes, <laughs> it is. It's a big decision to be off the cuff. I do
0: uh, big, big mark attack?
2: Uh, do you know what? This is one, right? Okay. That was my mother's name, Kim. And then when I was like, Stephen's still there. like if I go to London and meet people, they go, that's Kim's son. Uh-huh. I mean, so I got to go. Kim's Kim's
0: yeah. Oh, that's do you, nice. Do you know what would be good too? Because people would be like, why is he calling it that? And so then they'll want to read it. Yep. find out.
2: Yeah. Exactly. That'd there you be. go. And, that, and this is why you okay. hire
0: us as your marketers. You know? I,
1: I, I be, I'll I, go straight for you too, you know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Tommy,
1: thanks very much, Tommy. That's all from us. Do you want to say?
2: Um, thanks for having me. No problem um, at all. Thanks for coming we'll on. We'll
1: look forward to Whiskey and White, but
2: yeah you keep an eye out <laughs> it's gonna be
0: electric. Has <laughs> that's a pretty good interview from kinson what yeah. did you think of that for a title
1: good or i was going to say whiskey from whiskey and white
0: whiskey and whiskey and white yes true Well, for all we know that's what the book could be about it could be actually about his music career yeah and you know unboxing would just be a side note you know it wouldn't even be what the main story will be when the, when this band is going to be huge obviously
1: i know definitely sure True, mckenna has got that celebrity pull already from his acting teenage years and then you've got, or you've got you, Other names you could go for Tommy Big Mac Big Tommy Mac Big, uh, Big Everything's
0: Mac. Big Mac related Big these. Big Mac attack <laughs> Are I, you hungry? I, mean?
1: I can't wait for McDonald's to reopen <laughs> I read news about it today um, But yeah As always Thank you for listening guys And we ooh, We are now on Instagram As well as Twitter We are hip yeah. Well
0: we were until I said the word hip
1: Yeah um, So we are At his and her boxing On both Instagram and Twitter Follow us, follow us, follow us. Uh, like, share and subscribe to this podcast via whatever means you're listening to it on. Um, and yeah, give us a wee review as well. Really appreciate it. Yes, please. And um, tell all your friends and family about it, even if they don't like boxing, you know. They can like us. The, the life stories that come with it, yeah. Um. And yeah, thanks very much. Um. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye.